Wow, Carson is visiting us today too? Good grief. We have a lot of happy faces in the crowd for today. He's so little. Watch out, you got moms around, you're about to grab him. Don't touch the baby. Don't kiss the baby. Give the baby some space, man. Volunteer in the nursery, you'll be holding him soon enough. That's my call. That's, that's all I got to say. You want to hold babies? Volunteer. You're going you're to get some babies on you. Oh, I just need to look around for a second. Good to see you. I haven't seen all of you. In, oh, some of you I haven't seen in a week. Hello. Two weeks. She's like confessing. Two weeks. Good to see you. Hello, Carly. Glad you're here. You haven't been swallowed up by the machine or by the man. Good job. Way to make it. Grayson, I saw you, man. It's good to have you back. Good to have you. Glad you're well enough to be here. And then just the Wiley crowd, be like, that's y'all. Good, good to see you. Mason, you rascal. Good to have you back as long as we can get you. Are you thankful? Whatever's going on, find a reason to be thankful or you're missing the point. Thankful to God for what he has given you. I know there are ups and downs. There are a lot of ups and downs in this room. And some of you are down right now. I know that. But we have met together anyway to give God attention anyway, to praise the Lord Anyway, and I'm telling you, that's the way it's going to be the rest of your life. You have to choose to show up and serve. So thank you. Don't take that for granted today. King's kids, if you are in second grade on down, you are dismissed to junior church. Looks like a missions Sunday. Pushing nine. We're averaging 9 to 12 on there right now. So those of you King's Kids workers, brace yourself. Make sure you have enough cookies or you will regret it. They will, they will bite your ankles, these ones. <laughs> right, Greg? <laughs> They'll bite your ankles. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, my scripture reader. Oh, we're going to get you. And make a note, Melanie has to read scripture at the next ladies' meeting. If she's, if she's getting out of the public, yeah, we're, we're going to, we got you, girl. You can't escape me forever. Well, thank you, brother. So everybody open up to uh, Proverbs 19. This brave, lonely soul is going to read all of Proverbs 19. And if you're a visitor, before you have a panic attack, we're not going to talk about every verse in Proverbs 19. We are going to pick a theme that is evident in Proverbs 19, 19 and develop that. You ready? Ready. I'm going to go sit down. Okay. Take your chair. I'll read slow. Proverbs 19. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in speech and is a fool. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footsteps errs. The The foolishness of man ruins his way, and his heart rages against the Lord. Wealth adds many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will not escape. 
Many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. All the brothers of a poor man hate him. How much more do his friends abandon him? He who pursues them with words, but they are gone. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will perish. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a slave to rule, much less for a slave to rule over princes. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. A foolish son is destruction to his father, and the contentions of a wife are a constant dripping. Stop smiling, you husbands. House and wealth are an inheritance from the fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Now you can smile. Laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle man will suffer hunger. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of conduct will die. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death. A man of great anger will bear the penalty, for if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. Listen to counsel and accept discipline, that you may be wise the rest of your days. Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. What is desirable in a man is his kindness, and it is better to be a poor man than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life, so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. The sluggard buries his head in the dish, but will not even bring it back to his mouth. Strike a scoffer, and the naive may become shrewd, but reprove one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. He who assaults his father and drives his mother away is a shameful and disgraceful man. Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. A rascally witness makes a mockery of justice, and the mouth of the wicked spreads iniquity. Judgments are prepared for scoffers and blows for the back of fools. Let me see verse 28 again. A rascal? I never knew there was a translation that had rascally in it. A rascally witness. Rascally. <laughs> ah, I like that. That's good. Well, thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Proverbs 19. I've titled this, being poor and wise is better than being crooked and foolish. There is a high proportion of verses on being poor or poverty in this passage of Scripture today in Proverbs 19. It, it shows up a lot. Proverbs talks a lot about being poor. It also talks a lot about being diligent. So that contrast is there. But this particular chapter has a lot to say on that. So we're going to power through several of these verses and come up with, I hope, a comprehensive understanding of what Proverbs is trying to teach us. So verse one kicks it off. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. So write this down. Being poor or down and out 
never gives Christians a pass on morality. If the circumstances of life have brought you lack, have left you in need, it does not give you a pass to do whatever it takes to put food in your mouth. If we believe in God, we need to believe in him all the time. If we are thankful when we have plenty, we need to learn to be thankful when we lack. Because in all things and in all ways, he's teaching us to trust him no matter what. No matter what God gives us in life or does not give us, he expects unswerving devotion from you. That's what he expects. He expects for you to stay devoted to him no matter what. Unswerving devotion to him, to his ways, to his standards. He does not want you to be a fool. It is the fool who thinks, I need to take things into my own hands. That's foolishness. That's not wisdom. And Proverbs is a constant echo of what does it look like to fear the Lord and live a life that is wise in God's eyes. And that, that's a big distinguishing factor because there are a lot of things the world says are wise to do, to help yourself, to prosper yourself. The world has a lot of plans out there of how you can do this and this and this to get that and that and that. And many of the things they say that are okay to do, Proverbs says, it's foolishness. Some of it is outright sin, but some of it's just not wise. Don't assume that poor people are fools. You can be poor and wise. There's a distinction there. Are some people poor because they are foolish? Yes. But we cannot make that assumption about everyone who is down and out. Sometimes it's health issues. A lot of times it's mental issues, physical disabilities. Sometimes it's circumstances that have hit them and hit their family and hit where they work. Sure, all of us could have saved more for a rainy day. Sure, all of us could have made different decisions in the past, but sometimes life just hits you like a Mack truck and you're on your back and you have nothing to give and you are desperate and broken and needy, but you can still be wise and fear the Lord. Hear that. Being poor is not a sin. Being needy is not a sign of spiritual weakness. Almost the opposite. Some people never cry out to God as they should until they realize he's all they've got. And that is a beautiful thing. Don't look down on the poor or on that. Verse three. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. This is an interesting observation from Solomon. 
It is the irony of self-induced ruin that blames God. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, so he's talking about somebody who has ruined something in their life by their own actions, not external forces, not circumstantial himself, but then his heart rages against God. Like, can you see how ironic that is? You're the problem and you're gonna blame God. Well, God could have, well, of course he always could have, but what about you? Could you? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a humbling, humbling statement. You're gonna see it in yourself. You're going to see it in other people. Don't freak out. It's normal. It's normal for people to blame God even when they are the cause of their own ruin, the cause of their own poverty. Verse four, wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Observation here is that poverty can lead to loneliness and isolation. It can. Poverty can lead to loneliness and isolation. Poverty puts a strain on relationships puts a strain on everybody else's finances. It can lead to loneliness, but the opposite is not necessarily true. Just because somebody is lonely, that doesn't mean they are poor. It doesn't have to go that way. Loneliness does not mean you are poor. You can still be rich in God. Verse six. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. And I was trying to figure out, is this positive or negative? <laughs> so I landed on this must be a neutral statement, because I can think of examples of how this would, this could be both a blessing and a warning. It's a neutral statement. Many seek the favor of a generous man. Yeah, I want, I want people to, to listen to me, to work for me. Many people seek the favor of a generous... I want to be generous and I want people to, to know that they can come to me for help, that they can come to me for wisdom, that they can come to me for a, a help up and a, and a help out. That's a good thing, right? But then the warning side of that, this is a blessing and a warning. Everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. Uh... Well, I don't, I don't want everyone coming to me. <laughs> yeah, but when people see that you are generous, sometimes it brings, you know, out of the woodwork. And you don't know who's accepting your gift on the right terms or the wrong terms. You don't know. So what is your job? Be generous anyway. Let God settle the rest of the matter. So it's a good neutral statement, an observation that can be either a blessing or a warning. Verse seven, all a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with his words, but does not have them. Being poor sounds pitiful, doesn't it? Is that, is that, is that a pretty good observation? That can happen. All the poor man's own brothers, far from him, even his old friends seem to be distancing themselves. Uh, he can pursue them with words, but it, it just doesn't, just doesn't, something's wrong in the relationship. 
So I think the observation and the application here is do something about it. Do something about your state. If you don't like the way things are going, change something. Notice I said don't change others. <laughs> don't try to change others. He's trying to change others with his words. But what is it that really could change the situation? You. Change what's going on with you. Do what you can. This is the old American Christianity creeping in. Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Now, Proverbs balances that out with you need others. We saw that last week. You need others, especially in a spiritual capacity, to give you wisdom, to give you rebuke, to give you advice. But when you find yourself alone, if it's related to, to poverty, if it's related to poorness, uh, do something about it. Do what you can. There are many other Proverbs about going to work, being diligent, having integrity even when you are down and out. There are many Proverbs that warn against laziness, warn against stealing, warn against greed. Are people deserting you because of the way you have harmed them and your greed? If God has right now given you soundness of mind and the ability to work, you should. You should contribute to society, but always keep in mind that being poor is not a curse. You can be godly and poor. You can be broke. You can be bankrupt even. You can even be homeless. Still right with God. Never let someone's poverty make you judgmental. This is a big observation from Proverbs. Never let someone else's poverty or neediness make you or cause you or tempt you to look down on them as less spiritual than you are. The very reason God brought them into your life may be to test your spiritualness. The very reason God put them in front of you is to see what you would do. Your encounter with them may have nothing to do with them. It may have everything to do with God watching you. Will you serve the least of these? Will you administer a cup of cold water in my name? Will you, are you thankful that you're not that person? Are you thankful that you're not in those circumstances? Don't just say it. Don't just pray it. God expects you to show it. That's a heavy responsibility. If you're grateful that you don't live in poverty, you need to be a person of generosity. So go to work. Understanding that even Jesus acknowledges we will have the poor around us always. He says that, right? And think of this. All of us and all of our families are one health event, one financial event away from losing everything. All of us. We save, we plan, we prepare, but we have to leave it all in God's hands. Will you be faithful to God when you lose everything? I, that's this underwriting current of all this talk about poverty and generosity and work and poor. We are all closer to that than we think. So be kind, be generous. Verse 10. 
It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, much less for a slave to rule over princes. It is not fitting or right or proper or appropriate for a fool to be rich, but it happens. (laughs) But it happens. And the opposite of this is also uh, true. It's not fitting for the wise to be poor, but it happens. These are observations from Solomon. It's not exact, it just doesn't sit right. When somebody who's a fool, or maybe they're greedy, or maybe they're corrupt to gain a lot of wealth and live in luxury, you're right, it's not the way it should be. It's a broken world that's going to happen still. And since the world is upside down right now with its priorities and, and not giving honor to God and not, by and large, fearing God, That means sometimes the people who fear God are taken advantage of. That means the people who fear God sometimes are so generous that they are not living in luxury. And that's okay too. God will fix all of that in the end. He is the one who will be fair eventually. But right now, life is not fair. Like lock that in. You can go to school for four years, add on a couple more years, get a master's degree, get a job, it not work out, get another job, and just scrape by. It happens. Life is not always proportionate, proportionately fair or equal. But as God's people, we know God is fair, and he will right all things eventually. That, that gives us the ability, previous message, to chill out and not freak out when everything doesn't go the way it should. Like the whole world's not going the way it should. Have, did you not notice they crucified the perfect son of God? The world doesn't get it straight. If that's how they treated our master and he found a way to be faithful to God in the darkest of circumstances, how is this world gonna treat you? And should you be shocked when you find yourself down and out? No, no. When you should, should you be shocked when you find yourself doubting and depressed and hurting and broken and lonely? No, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't freak out about that stuff. That's the course of human existence. God, however, will have the final say and he will make content forever those who trust him now. So it's not fitting, but it happens. Verse 15 Slothfulness or laziness casts into a deep sleep, like the sluggard turning upon his bed like a door on its hinges. And an idle person will suffer hunger. The New Testament fleshes this out in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 by saying this, you don't work, you don't eat. Hey, <laughs> Wow, that's a tempting phrase to bust out on your teenager, right? (laughs) Uh, It's a very biblical lesson, but, you know, be careful with the application on that. This is what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 10 through 15. Let me read that to you. Paul says, Even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. So he's talking about grown men. We hear that some men among you, church, are idle. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. 
Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him and do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy. Warn him as a brother. So my warning to my brothers this morning is retirement is not an age, it's a number. When you have enough set aside to stop working, you can stop earning an income. But it is not right for us to stop all ministry. We still have families and kids and grandkids to minister to and serve and work for. We still have neighbors. We still have old co-workers and we still have associations that we can, we can keep investing in other people. Don't become of the American mindset that I am checking out. I'm going to rest now. This world is not your home. You don't put your feet up when you're on a missions trip. You work until you go home. You pray, you serve, you give until God calls you home. God will set your ultimate retirement date. Just be careful there. Don't get sucked into this worldly mentality. If I set enough aside, now I can stop. I can do whatever I want. How would that look in the life of Paul or Peter or John or James? Jesus is gone. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Guys, let's just, let's just let God do the rest. No. Go and make disciples. You go and baptize. You go and teach. You go and finish loving this Lord your neighbor. Loving the Lord and loving your neighbor stuff. Loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. There's no expiration date on that. Don't work, you don't eat. Look at verse 17. We really look down on the poor. Being poor is pitiful. I like this verse. Turns the corner here. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. What I like about this verse is there is no judgment on being poor but an encouragement for those who have to administer mercy and grace. We go from talking a lot about being in need and, and working and making sure you're not the one who's needy to then turning to say, help those that still are needy. Don't you be caught being lazy. Don't you be caught being the lonely poor man. Don't you be caught. But nevertheless, when we find the poor, we help them. Helping people in any and every situation is a sign that you fear the Lord and you're living by wisdom. Helping others. So this is an amazing uh, balancing verse. Uh, it's almost like worship God for not letting you wallow in poverty by helping others in their poverty. 
Do you have to look far in Enid to find people who are needy? Gotcha. Just, just making sure we're on the same city here. Do you have to look poor in your own family sometimes to find people who are really needy? So is it easy to find ways to bless people? Is it easy to find people who could use a few bucks? Is it easy to find people who could use a meal? Is it easy to find people who would be happy to have the shirt off your back and the shoes that are on your feet right now? Is, it, is that easy? to? I think it's pretty, pretty easy to find. Very easy to find. Here's a harder question. Can you help those people without judging them? You're going to smell alcohol on their breath. You're going to see cigarettes in their pocket. You're going to see... You're going to see. And you know, we could put two and two together. Not everybody's out there trying to get back on their feet. Some people just are just going to take advantage of you. It's not your job to decide who you help. You can have some discernment and help with food, help with physical necessities instead of just money. If you, if you sense they're going to abuse themselves more or you're enabling an addiction, like there's some wisdom there in how you help in a particular way, but just help. Just be generous and be creative. Come up with new and creative ways to help the same people that you may run across regularly. Take them out to eat. Maybe get their story. Maybe figure out what's going on. Instead of just pouring stuff into people, pouring time into people, every now and then you're going to find somebody who really is just down and out for a season of life and with your help, they can get a driver's license and then they can get a job and then they can afford an apartment and then they can be on their own. Then they start showing up at church and then they realize you were, you were generous. Like, it happens. But man, that's fishing. Sometimes you pull in the scrawny fish and you release them. <laughs> Sometimes you pull in the needy and you, you release them. Sometimes they come back and they grow. Be careful that we not set into the mindset of looking down on people. We might be those people someday. Mercy, grace. Then I've got a section I want to read together here, 19 through 22. And I really, I really am seeing a connection with these verses. Uh, so let me go through these verses and then I'll tie them together for you. So follow along. Verse 19 says, A man of great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. So verse 19, people need to suffer consequences. They need to. We need to feel pain for when we do things the wrong way. It says they're a person of great wrath. So this is somebody who's, who, whose personality has played into the fact that they are suffering some kind of affliction in their life. They've lost something and probably just made them more angry. And if you step in and deliver them, maybe pay their debts, pay their fine, pay their bail, buy them a new car because they wrecked their old car, but they're only, you're only gonna have to do that again. So we're helping people, we're generous to people, but here's an observation. You need to help in ways that you're not 
delivering them completely from the consequences of their sins. Verse 20, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. This is why we allow people to suffer consequences because consequences help all of us learn to listen to advice and learn to listen to instruction. It's always hindsight, but you're also planning for the next time. That's, that's why that verse talks about wisdom in the future. Solomon knows not everybody's gonna accept it when they need it, but you can at least deliver wisdom after the fact and maybe they'll get it next time. Sometimes people will listen the best when they're hurting the worst, when they're suffering their consequences. Like, that's okay. Keep administering. Be faithful to help people regularly. Verse 21, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man and in the heart of a man, but it's the purposes of God that are gonna play out. We come up with so many plans for how we are going to further ourselves. This verse is a reminder that God's purpose is usually going to play out. Let me help you out with God's purpose for your life. Go to work. <laughs> work where you are. I don't need to tell you that if you have kids. You know where the job is, <laughs> right? Work. If you are in school right now, that is your job. Your school is preparing you for the future. The clever little church sign down the road, the easiest job you'll ever have is going to school. I don't know, there's some pretty easy jobs out there. <laughs> Sometimes school is pretty stinking hard. Yeah, I don't know about that. But wherever you find yourself, God's will is gonna play out. You're gonna have to do something you're gonna have to work your way through life so you can avoid the pitfalls, the temptations and the trials of being poor and needy. God puts some of that in your own hands. And then verse 22, what is really desired, and this is the word man, but in Hebrew it's the generic word for human. What is really desired in all people is steadfast love. And a reminder, a poor man is better than being a liar. You can be poor and still have your integrity. Being poor is not the worst it could be. Being a rich, lying, conniving, backbiting, manipulative fool is much worse than being poor and fearing God. Poor is not the worst thing that can happen to you. So in verse, uh, verse 22, write this down. A man's value, a person's value is in their covenant faithfulness. Sunday school class. What is desired in a human is hesed. What's desired in a human, there's that, that Old Testament word. It's a hard H. Chesed. Chesed. It's used mostly of God in the Old Testament to describe who he is. The word hesed says God has steadfast love. God has covenant faithfulness. God has covenant love. God has steadfast truthfulness, steadfast enduring kindness. 
It is a huge word. Five little letters that are ginormous. In the Old Testament, theologically, and Solomon is tapping into that. You need to know all of your Old Testament at this point. What is God looking for in you? Riches, fame, power, strength, long life? Nope, 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 nope. You know what is really desired? This is desired by God, but also we desire seeing this in each other. Covenant, faithfulness, steadfast, love, and fear of God. First and foremost, and then everything else smooths out. But it's not easy. It's what we need. And being poor is better than being a liar. That's right back to that verse one idea. And then here's the verse that ties those verses together. Verse 23. Verse 23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Fear of the Lord leads to life. Um, The fear of the Lord and and life, the Proverbs is about life. It's about the way. It's about the walk. And that means a wise living. The fear of the Lord leads to wise living. This is going to be a summary statement of 19 through 22. The fear of the Lord leads to wise living. And whoever has wisdom rests. It says rests satisfied. My first question, rests in what? We just talked about you find a life, you find the way, you find the fear of the Lord. So what are you resting satisfied in? You're resting satisfied in what God provides, whether you have much or whether you have little. The fear of the Lord allows you to rest wherever you find yourself in life, wherever you're walking through your life, whatever happens to you, whatever God brings into your life through your own decisions, through other people's decisions, The fear of the Lord leads to a life of rest in every circumstance. So whoever has wisdom, write this down, rests in what God provides, whether it's much or whether it's little. We rest in what God provides. We've talked about contentment before in the book of Proverbs. It is a sign of your trust in God. Contentment is not something you manufacture through practice. It's not something you manufacture through reciting something regularly. It's not something you manufacture by buying a lot of plaques at Hobby Lobby. Keep it simple. Live simple. Be kind. It's not something you can only rest content when you fear and love the Lord properly. That's what it goes back to. And then the last line of verse 23 The fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it rests with whatever God brings and he will not be visited by harm. This is not a promise. Proverbs is not a book of promises. You cannot go through Proverbs, pull out verses and say, here's my shield. If I love God, nothing is gonna go wrong in life. That was was not a tattoo that Jesus was rocking. Jesus got harmed all the time, verbally, emotionally, relationally, and then physically. People forsook Jesus. He suffered a lot of anguish. He wept. He was in the face of death. He was separated from the presence of his heavenly father. Jesus suffered while he was here. 
and nobody has feared the Lord more than him. So what does this mean? If we fear the Lord, we will not be visited by harm. This is where I tie it together. The wise will not suffer, the next blank is, many penalties of verse 19. If you're a person of anger and wrath, you're gonna pay a lot of penalties. If you're a person who fears the Lord, you're going to have less penalties to pay in this life. The more you rebel against God, the more consequences you have to learn from. But the more you fear and trust God, the less penalties you'll have in life. And then here's another thing. The wise will not suffer a lot of foolish plans. Verse 21, many are the plans in the mind of a man. But if you're fearing the Lord, you're trying to get on God's plan, God's agenda. So you'll have less bad plans. You'll make less mistakes. Your planning will be in line and in step with what God wants, not just what your heart wants. It will, it will protect you. There'll be less harm in your life. You'll have to go back and fix less things if you're walking with God in the right direction. And then this lack of love. You will not be visited by a lack of love when, when covenant faithfulness is the way you live your whole life. You find God to be faithful and you point your faithfulness back to him. There won't be a lack of love. And then last, what else? You will not be visited by harm. You'll not be visited, you'll not suffer as a liar or as a thief. That protects you from a lot of misfortune. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever finds the Lord, his ways, his wisdom, can rest satisfied whether they have much or whether they have little. And you will not be visited by as many harms if you stay close to God. It brings a sense of calm to your life. I've got one more thing for you to write down, you overachievers. Write this down at the bottom of your outline. Fearing God and working so we can help others enables us to love God and love others in everyday life. You are still going to suffer some harms in this broken world, but I think of it like this. It says, it says in my translation, you will not be visited by harm. Harm is going to come knocking at your door. If Jesus isn't living in your house, you're gonna be tempted to let harm come and visit. Shut the door. Live a life that fears the Lord, and when harm does come, Send him on his way. Deal with it. Get others to pray for you. Tragedies will come. Hard times will come. But he does not have to visit you and stay with you for an extended amount of time. Those who fear the Lord are full of the Lord. We move on. We don't hold grudges. We don't seek revenge. And we also don't throw a pity party and wallow in our pain and in our suffering. 
We get up, we go back to work. We get up, we go back to school. We get up, we go back to church. We keep doing those simple everyday things so that we are showing God we love him first and it enables us to make money and have resources to help others and that's living the life of wisdom. How are you doing today? Stand with me, let's pray. So when harm comes knocking loudly at your door, don't let him in. The Lord has taken up residence here. Bow your head and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We are a people who are called to live for you. And God, you are calling us to take care of ourselves and to take care of our families in such a way that we have enough resources to be generous to needy people. Open our eyes and soften our hearts that we would never get used to seeing people in need. Thank you for the people in our church who volunteer their time to serve the needy. Help us to not look down on them. Peel away the layers of hurt and, and pain that we have from helping people and it not going right. Help us to not give up because you didn't give up on us. I rejected the gospel so many times before I accepted it. Lord, help us to love people like you love us. Help us to pursue people like you keep pursuing us. Change our hearts. When disasters come at the hand of the world or at the hand of our own flesh and consequences or even at the hand of the devil, God, teach us to be a people who avoid being liars, who avoid being thieves, who avoid being lawless, and who trust you to take care of us or take us home. Help us to be like Job and proudly, loudly proclaim, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of our God. God, make us like that. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, my Redeemer.
promised Lamb of God, Messiah, hope for sinners slain. Thank you, O my Father, giving up and leaving Standing low, I will see his face. There I'll serve my King forever in that holy place. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your. Uh, next Sunday is a 10.30 only for the holiday weekend, so we will not have our 9.30 small groups. Um, pray for Pastor Kevin. He got diagnosed with Lyme disease this past week, so he's praying through that. They've administered antibiotics quickly, so they got on top of that early. He'll be here in a couple weeks. And if you notice on the Saturday, September 16th, um, we are bringing in a prospective associate pastor uh, Marty and his wife's name is Lydia. So be in prayer about those interviews. I've spent about five hours talking with him so far, so we're getting to know him. Um, so I'll have more about that coming up. But pray for Marty Clayton as he comes to check us out. And uh, I could really appreciate that. We appreciate your support. Mark? This is from... Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you.